This is Let's Go Michigan with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. Your bird's eye view on Michigan's business and entertainment scene. Here's Jeff. All right, welcome to our show today. Good to have you with us. Great weekend here in the Great Lakes State, the state of Michigan, of course. And Kristen Kajawa, Mark Pastoria here with me, co-hosting the show as always. Good to be with you guys. Absolutely. It's the beginning of March. Can you believe it? No, because January had 900 days in it. <laughs> it always does. February right. had like three, and right. now today right. is uh, right. March. And, and spring started in February yeah, this did. year. And now, and now it's cold uh, again. And now we had some cold again. Of course, warmer this weekend. And if you look at the forecast, there's no doubt spring's come early this year. We'll take it. All right, so a lot of interesting things coming up on the show ahead. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do... We always pledge to our audience that in this segment of the show, we want to bring information, news, features that are relevant to interests of those of us here in the Great Lakes State. And I've got one for you. How about this? NASA is looking for people. They've made this announcement clear, and the application process will be open through April 2nd. Not a lot of time to get in on this, guys, but another month left. But if you're interested, NASA is looking for people to apply to be part of a team that's going to live in a Mars simulator. Essentially, they'll have one year. You go in, you're living on Mars. They simulate the conditions present on Mars, and you've got to live with just a handful of other people for a full year in Martian-like conditions. Sounds lovely. Wasn't there a movie about that? I think yeah. there was. Yeah. yeah I think there Would you was. sign up, Jeff? Well, that's kind of interesting. You know, I think it depends a lot on your stage in life. Like if you're right. responsible as right. you are, Not as now. I am, right. uh, you know, for kids and other things, we probably yeah. wouldn't. But take a guy like Mark. I would do that. That would be great. Mark has time on his hands. <laughs> what? You have the desire to go potentially simulate like you're living on Mars? Yeah. So the team's going to be made up of four people. They're going to live and work inside this Mars Dune Alpha, as they call it, at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. They've created an environment that simulates that, which astronauts ultimately will experience when living on Mars. They've got a 3D-printed habitat spanning 1,700 square feet. It's designed, as I say, to resemble the living conditions that they'll actually be living in on the Martian surface. And they want to understand how this four-person crew is going to be able to handle it, what the challenges are and so on that they need to think about and overcome before they actually do send people to Mars. And, of course, they're doing this in preparation for doing that. People are headed to Mars in the not-too-distant future Anyone interested in learning more and wanting to apply, just go to www.nasa.gov. You can navigate your way to this particular page, and there you have it. The program is known as the CHAPIA. That's an acronym, C-H-A-P-E-A program. You know, if you would have mentioned this pre-COVID, I'd say, oh, my gosh, this is essentially quarantining. Yes. I mean, when you think about it, it's quarantine. They're not going home at the end of no. every night. They're no. well, living there. They're going home. They're going home to their Martian home. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But if you would have said this pre-COVID, I would yeah. say, who'd sign up for that? That well, seems ridiculous. So but now would... post-COVID, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, wow, you might get a few more applicants because it seems like that doesn't seem so hard okay. to quarantine for so a look, year. Strike your fancy. Yeah. Here, here's what they're looking for. You got to be non smoking, mm -hmm. healthy U.S. citizen. You got to be between the age of 30 and 55. They've got to be proficient in the English language. Applicants should have a strong desire for unique, rewarding adventures. <laughs> God, and then some. And interest in contributing to NASA's work to prepare for the first human beings to live on Mars. It's pretty cool, actually. It's really cool. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I'll leave that to somebody else so I don't take the spot. Okay. <laughs> 
So I won't be sending in your application. No, no. But it does sound really interesting. Seriously, applications open until April 2nd. There you go. All right, moving on. Let's go to something that we can relate to a little better than living on Mars. How about this? Hats off. Congratulations to Detroit-style pizza. And those who make it, buddies and others, you know, you know the places where you can buy Detroit-style pizza. And now it's just been announced Detroit-style pizza has risen to the top of America's pizza preferences. How about that? Number one pizza preference by Americans now is the Detroit-style pizza. Of course, we're the home of that. We are. Yes. We are. 78 years ago. I think it originated at Buddy's, right? It did. Yeah. So the story goes, it did originate at Buddy's 78 years ago, 1946. They created the square pizza out of steel auto pans. Yeah, they came from the auto factories, yeah, right? And they, that's they, right. Uh, I remember that. I've seen mm-hmm. that on a documentary, and they remodeled them, if you will. That's exactly right. Yeah. Although they do say, if you actually go into the history, it does say that they took the idea from like a Sicilian-style oh. pizza. So, but I mean, whatever. Well, there's nothing yeah, wrong with improving upon. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of how. Yeah, it's right. The, the right. Technology. Nobody arts, else started it with a works. steel auto pan. Yeah, you build on. Right. Okay, so there you go. That's that's cool. So and, yeah, they really did, and the the whole idea was that they would put the dough and then they put the meat down, which is different. Most people do the sauce oh, and the cheese and right. then the toppings. They put the meat down first, okay. so they do a reverse. That's a big innovation. I mean, well. <laughs> It's 1946. I don't know. I I think the sauce on top is cool. I do like that, by the Mm -hmm. way. But the crispy crust, it's just unbelievable. Just give me the crust. I don't even need the rest. And you know what came from Buddy's? No, tell us. The other pizzerias would be Louie's and then Cloverleaf. Interesting. Louie's, the guy was a chef at Buddy's. He Hmm. left, created Louie's. Yeah. Gus, who founded Buddy's, sold it in 1953 and opened Cloverleaf. That's excellent. So wow. the pizzas are similar. Interesting. All right. Well, now look, everyone's looking for Detroit-style pizza these days. We're happy to put that feather in our cap and uh, claim it as one of the things that makes Michigan, and in particular Detroit area, great. Home to the Detroit-style pizza. Have you guys been to the original location? Yeah. I haven't, but I'm now going for sure. You have yeah. to go. Yeah. Honestly, you have to. Yeah, you I guys would, go all the time. We do, right? Yeah, we go to the original. Location all right. Well, look. Well, to close. Can we things go now? Out, yeah, I would yeah. love to. <laughs> Seriously, go. or let's at least order one. Okay, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But here, I got something for you that makes even eating this kind of pizza even more of a reality for people who really shouldn't be eating that kind okay. of pizza. How about this? You know, there's always a new fad in dieting, how to lose weight, oh, the next new thing. We all know about the Zampic and the this and the mm-hmm. that. Big business, right? Yeah. Americans love to eat. We enjoy our pizza. <laughs> And unfortunately or fortunately, and uh, we pay for it later. But now there's all these new approaches to losing weight. I've got one for you. The next big trend, it's hard to digest starch supplements that you take. That sounds good. (laughs) Just hang in there. Hang in there. This is for real. Resistant starch, as it's known, it's commonly found in foods like oats and so on. And they're now being able to create a supplement that has this resistant starch in it, and it's able to control blood glucose levels like ozampic chem, semaglutide-type medications that are in ozampic and others, and it leads to weight loss. There's a small trial underway. They're proving that it works. The way it works is that this carbohydrate, this starch, takes longer to digest, gets it in your system, kind of makes you feel full, takes longer to transit through the system without getting too detailed, and it works. 
And it's not a drug. It's literally a food extract, the starch, uh-huh. and you take it and it makes you feel full and the whole thing. Huh. So there we go. Uh, Just a little tip. Interesting. I mean, you can't talk about pizza without talking about how to keep the weight off. Yeah. And we've got the answers, all <laughs> okay. the answers you need and you want to know in order to be able to justify having that Detroit style pizza. Is there a website to go to where I can? Uh, I don't have a website, but I think if you research access to this new hard-to-digest starch supplement for weight loss concept. Hmm. Okay. I actually was looking for, on the heels of doing the pizza story, looking for a, such a solution. And oh. that's what I have for you. <laughs> that's what came and this up. And this is supposed to be the next big thing. Okay. You're going to see it coming on the horizon. Right. They expect it to be on the market soon. Listen, coming up on today's show, we've just talked about Buddy's Pizza. We're going to keep the train rolling here of things we love to enjoy things that maybe we otherwise shouldn't, but still love to indulge in and enjoy. We covered pizza. We're going to move on later in the show. We're going to talk about who knew this. Michigan is a top five producer of potatoes, potatoes that end up in one out of every four bags of potato chips. If pizza's not your bag, potato chips likely are. Who doesn't love a good chip or two? Absolutely. Yes. And so we're going to hear about the importance of Michigan's potato industry. We're going to learn about how those potato chips end up in bags of, of another feather in our cap. Great Michigan brand. Better made potato chips than others. One out of four of every bags of potato chip produced have Michigan potatoes in them. Very cool. All right. And then the other thing we're going to do is, you know, with all this talk of potato chips and pizza and, and, and having to take supplements to keep the weight off, you know, there's one thing that is without question something we all ought to be doing, and that's exercising. You know what the problem is, though? Uh, we don't want to. Kristen, you are right again. <laughs> We just don't want to do it. I just don't want to. A lot of people just don't like the idea of exercising. Yeah. And they just don't do it. Therefore, unfortunately, you should be. Everyone should be. But the reality is some of us don't like to do it. Why don't we like to do it? It makes so much sense. I hope we have an answer for this. Kristen, you're on it again. We do have an answer coming up later in the show. We're going to hear from someone who covered the story. Why do some Americans just not like to exercise? We're going to find out. I don't know about you guys, but Kristen, Mark, I can't think of anything better on a Saturday afternoon. Actually, it could be a Tuesday afternoon. It could be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday as well. Sunday, whatever it is. Hey, how about a bag of potato chips? Better made potato chips. Pick your poison. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Really any day of the week. Any day of the week. Any really time any of the day. any time of the day. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. And having said that, one thing I didn't know, I knew how great potato chips were, but one thing I didn't know was how big the potato industry is here in the state of Michigan. Potatoes account for about $2.5 billion in revenue, and certainly part of that ends up going into the state's coffers. A lot of people getting employed in this industry, and many of those potatoes staying here to make great potato chip brands like Better Made. By the way, you guys remember on a business biography show, we had a chance to learn about Better Made, the history, the origins, how that company made it. That was a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was something about it that interview. It was so sweet and it charming. Was. And there was a ton of history behind Better Made and being yeah. here in the city of Detroit. Great and, brand. Yeah. And how they really covet Michigan potatoes really solely. They really do. They make mm-hmm. a point of using Michigan grown potatoes and we're glad that they do. It's, as I say, a very big industry here in the state and here to tell us all about just how big it is. We've got our friend Rose White from MLive.com. She's just published an article in MLive. Michigan's $2.5 billion potato industry fills one in four potato chip bags nationally. That's incredible. Rose, welcome to the show. Tell us what you learned about the significance of the potato industry here in Michigan. 
Yeah, when people think about Michigan's agriculture, the main products that come to mind are apples, cherries. I'm on the west side, so blueberries are a big thing here. But I don't think most people know or understand how big of a producer Michigan is of potatoes. And so Michigan is actually the eighth largest producer of potatoes in the country. But in addition to that, we play a very critical role in the chip industry. So this has come out from the uh, Michigan Potato Industry Commission. They just released their first economic impact report. And so they just break down how big of a deal potatoes are for Michigan and the chip industry. And what they have found is about one in four potato chip bags across the country actually use Michigan-grown potatoes. That's amazing. That's very cool. We must have a good climate for producing potatoes. I mean, what makes Michigan so special? Yeah, I think it's a good climate. So warm days and cool nights, that's the key thing. And I think Michigan State University has also helped play a role. They've helped develop a lot of breeze potatoes that are good for chips. You know, I'm not sure which came first here, but we also have a pretty robust potato chip industry in Michigan as well. So Better Made is a big supplier and they get about 11 and a half months out of the year. They're relying on Michigan grown potatoes to make their chips. That's really incredible. I saw some statistics in your article that you published in MLive about this very subject. And you cite that uh, potatoes are a $2.5 billion industry in Michigan. You go on to say about 22,000 jobs tied to the potato industry and so on and so on, generating $832 million or so in wages. This is big business and important to the Michigan economy. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Agriculture is a big part of Michigan's larger economy and how we understand it, but potatoes are sort of the secret agricultural product that I don't think most people recognize ends up being the chips that they're crunching on most days. And do most of the potatoes that get grown here in the state of Michigan stay in the state of Michigan, or do most get shipped out to, as you said, either other brands, potato chip makers, whatever it may be? Where do all these potatoes go? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have the exact data on that, but what I can tell you is about 70% of the potatoes that are grown here do become chips. And obviously we're supplying Michigan-based companies like Better Made, Great Lakes Potato Chips Co. But we're also supplying national brands like Frito-Lay and Hers and Utz. So it's not that all the potatoes stay in Michigan, but that also means we're having an impact nationally as well. And so there are other potato chip producers in, so Pennsylvania is a pretty big hub for potato chips as well. So we're sending a lot there. This is having a two billion economic impact on the state of Michigan. So even if some of the potatoes are leaving the state, we're still seeing a lot of those dollars having an impact on people who live here. Yeah, we do not want any potatoes leaving our state. No. (laughs) (laughs) We do not. We're stop them at the border. You got it. I want checks at every border crossing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, is this industry growing? We've established that it's significant and important to the agricultural sector here, but also, you know, to the economy in the state of Michigan more broadly. And certainly to those of us who are Michiganders, we can't live without our better made potato chips. Right. Is this industry growing? Are there going to be more potato growers and more potatoes being grown here in the state of Michigan likely? Yeah, you know, there's about 80 potato growers scattered throughout the state. And a lot of these are actually third or fourth generation farms. So this has been a pretty significant part of the Michigan agricultural scene for over 100 years. So it's not necessarily that we're seeing more farms, but what we are seeing is the farms that do exist are focused on sustainability and improving their yield. So we are seeing more potatoes being produced annually over time. A lot of that just has to do with better farming practices and a lot of these farms just trying to figure out how to use the land better to produce more potatoes. Okay, I have a question for the two of you, Kristen. Yes. And Rose as well. When you order your club sandwich at a local diner, restaurant, whatever it may be, and you get the question, fries or chips, what is it? Oh, boy. (laughs) 
Mine's usually <laughs> French fries, to be honest. Yes, potato <laughs> industry wins on you, Christine, that's either right. way. Yes, that's right. That's true. And Rose, you, you teased us. I'll bet you're going with chips. You teased us that you've got a bag of better made chips with you as you do this interview. I do. That yes. is unfair. Yes. <laughs> okay, wait. Fries or chips? You know, I think this might be a nuanced answer, but it depends on the weather. I feel oh, like I'm boy. going fries. Fries in, fries in the winter, you know, I need a little comfort food. But right. potato <laughs> chips are just such a summery food. You know, they're just so crisp and salty. You know what? The whole thing, whether fries or chips, whatever, the whole potato thing is kind of magical. Mashed potatoes. How about that? <laughs> Talk about comfort food. We'll take them yes. any way we can get them. That's why I say no potatoes are to leave the state. Effective immediately. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Right>. Incredible. <laughs> That's for sure. And uh, Rose, we appreciate you bringing the article to us and telling us all about it. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Well, now we know. We didn't know before. We certainly do now. Potatoes are big in the state of Michigan and really important to the state's economy. Oh, Mark's already. Mark. Mark has caught the the bag. He's already into it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Rose always does a good job. The one thing she could have done to make the interview better, you know, sending samples is always, it's good (laughs) to do your research before the interview. That aside, I see, Mark, you have no issue. You've got your bag of chips there. I don't know where you got them, but uh, lucky you. Kristen, I want to ask you. Yeah. If you could go grab a bag of chips right now, mm-hmm. we know they're going to be better made, oh, I, supporting a Michigan-made, yep. great Michigan brand. That but is true. would they be plain or some flavor? And if it's flavored chips, what would that flavor be? Plain all the way. Yeah. Plain. Why? What are you grabbing? No, totally plain. Yeah. I, you know, I can enjoy a sour cream, what is it, sour cream and onion? That's a good second vinegar? choice. I, I like salt and vinegar. Sour cream and onions, pretty good. But How about I, but, cheddar? Uh, cheddar, cheddar, that would be a little no, lower Mark. on my list. No, no, yeah. come on. Yeah. No. That's, your, that's you, Mark, cheddar? Yeah. Well, both. Yeah, but for me, far and away, plain salt. With the yeah. dip. Oh, the dip's good. Oh, the dip. Yeah, but better. No, potato. Oh. You like to just to eat them plain. I just like they, to eat they, them they, plain. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you but, waste time with a dip. Yeah, who needs No, well, you'll, right. just, you'll eat just a whole added, bag. Ca- added calories. That's right. You can, you can have two calories. bags. Uh, if you don't have the dip or one bag right. with the dip, boom, done. That's right. Very good. Well, now we know more we know. more than we need to. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, Our listeners are really They're fully informed. <laughs> yeah. Fully informed. <laughs> Send all chips to yes. yeah, look, in care of. We all have to look at it this way. We've made the case how important the potato industry is in the state of Michigan. We're simply just doing our part to support that industry, okay? That's right. All right, there we go. We're going to head out to a break, but you need to stick with us here on Let's Go Michigan. Why? We're about to learn why it is that we just don't like to exercise. And it's kind of funny, it's pure coincidence that that interview falls on the heels of our discussion about potato chips in this segment. Maybe there's some connection, right? Yeah. Somebody's trying to tell us something. Kristen, Mark, I don't think there's any of us that need to be reminded of or informed of the importance and the need of exercising. We all buy that, right? That's a good, I mean, Or right? you just look in the mirror every day and you're reminded of okay. Oh, no. Well, that's, yes, thanks uh, for the thanks, reminder. Dave, thanks a lot. Sorry. But look, Sorry. I think the reality is there's no arguing the point that it's good for you. No, it is good for you. It's good for your mental health, too. Good We've for talked mental health, a lot about physical that. health, keeps the weight off. You got to exercise, right? Yeah. Here's the problem. Many Americans just don't like to exercise. You have friends or... People that you hear say, I love going to the gym. I yeah. can't wait to get there. I got My son does that. Really? He loves it. Every day. People love it. But then there's some of us, mm-hmm. and those are the people we're looking out for today. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking to <laughs> you. There's, there's some of us that in spite of just knowing that it's so yeah. good for you, in spite of even wanting to do it and buying into it, I have no argument. I don't really like it. Okay. 
Well, I have good news for those of us that don't like it. We're not alone. Actually, many Americans just don't like to exercise. Why? We're about to find out. We've got Jamie Ducharme from Time Magazine. She's a health correspondent there. And she's covering this very question. So actually learning that there's now research that supports the fact that some of us, many of us, in fact, just don't like to exercise. Jamie, this is a real thing. Some people just don't like to exercise, right? People do not. And I was interested in this just because, you know, I'm a health reporter and it has always struck me that if there is anything that is good for people in many ways, many aspects of their health, and actually pretty easy to do just from the standpoint of, you know, you don't actually need a ton of equipment or time to exercise. It seems like something that people would be doing all the time. And yet everyone kind of struggles to find the motivation to do it. So I was interested in just digging into that question of why is it so hard to get yourself to exercise? Well, we want to hear about that. Before we get to that, though, you said really nearly everyone doesn't want to exercise, but there are those really annoying people that love to get their (laughs) running shoes on and get their workout gear on and get out there and and go all day long. Are they annoying or are they just very motivated? I'm I'm kidding, of course. I'm I'm really jealous. I wish I felt that way. I know intellectually it is so good for you to exercise. Mm -hmm. It is the answer. It's the answer to better quality of life, uh, Mm -hmm. more life, longevity, all the rest of it. We all know that. But yet for me to, and I do do it at some level. Now, the good news is it keeps Jamie, I think, correct us if we're wrong, but the kind of the threshold of what's acceptable in order to achieve just some baseline objectives keeps coming down. It used to be that you had to go out and run two hours a day. (laughs) You know, it's no longer that. It's much more approachable and, you know, achievable. Right, Jamie? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the federal guidelines on this say that you should shoot for around 150 minutes of exercise a week, which breaks down to about 20 minutes a day. But there's some really interesting research that shows even if you're getting significantly less than that recommended amount, it is still good for you. So it's truly one of those habits where even a tiny, tiny bit is good for you. And yet, getting back to the original topic, and yet people still many people at least find it very difficult to find the motivation to do that. Okay. Well, we got to know why. I was fascinated in this. It goes back to human evolution. You know, for most of human existence, we had to be very active to survive, to find food, grow food, outrun predators, like just truly to stay alive. So we evolved to tolerate that level of activity, but also to look for moments when we could rest and kind of conserve energy for the times when we really needed it. If you fast forward to the modern day, most of us are not hunting or gathering our own food and moving around that much, but we still have that kind of biological instinct to conserve energy. So this feeling of like, oh, I'd rather be on the couch or sleeping than going to the gym is actually something that's hardwired into our brain. Interesting. So at least we have that going for us. I was going to say, I'm going to say that next Right, time. I'm, I'm hardwired. Yes. Hard hard right, what could we, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> right, right. I mean, when you think about when you look around, I mean, many of us sit at our desk for eight hours a day. We take an elevator, we take an escalator, things that you would think are more physically active, like uh, cleaning your home. We have dishwashers instead of washing the dishes. We have provided ourselves with ways to not exercise. Exactly. One of the scientists that I interviewed for this story made the point that this instinct that we have to conserve energy is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that we have become so efficient in modern life at carrying out all the various things that we need to do that we no longer have really 
most people at least, any built-in movement. So the instinct has gotten to a point where it's actually harming our health and we kind of have to find ways to get around it and convince ourselves to move. And so are there any tips to help someone get in the right mindset and get over this hump of just not wanting to do it? I do know this. I have found in my own experience, it's really hard to get started. But interestingly, once you do get started, it's kind of hard not to do it. Like I know that from time to time when I've gotten into a really significant exercise regimen across some meaningful period of time, I start to get a dopamine rush when I did it and I look forward to it. But tell us, what did you learn about some ways that we can kind of, (laughs) sounds silly to say, but trick our brains into wanting to do this? Yeah, not at all silly. And I think the first one is the simplest, which is just being aware that this is how your brain works and not beating yourself up about it. Because so many people feel guilty or are shamed when they don't exercise and they start to feel like something's wrong with them. When in reality, like this is how human brains have evolved to work. So that's thing one, don't feel guilty about it. Thing two is to your point, just making it part of your daily life in whatever way works for you. One tip that an expert told me that I really resonated with was to combine exercise with something that you either already have to do or that you like to do. So maybe that's, you know, instead of going out to dinner with your friend, you go for a walk in the park with a coffee. Or maybe if you have to have a meeting at work anyway, you don't do that in the conference room where everyone's sitting down. You do that again while maybe walking. And that just makes it so much easier to find sort of the time and the mental energy to do this. And we only need 20 minutes now. That word keeps coming do down, I told you. I right. <laughs> right. Wait, wait another couple of years. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be maybe, more, maybe more down to 10. <laughs> right. No, I more is more better. Is That's better, right. But yeah, right. 20 minutes a day, if yeah. you think of it that way, at least to me, that doesn't sound quite as daunting. Well, I have to admit, I picked up some good tips from Jamie through this conversation. But I also have to tell you guys, listen, I picked up another thing. If on a particular day, I just can't get moving. It just doesn't appear. Listen. I'm hardwired. What do you want from me? <laughs> I, I really, I really grabbed hold of that one. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, did. you, it's not my fault. I'm hardwired. Right. I know uh, you're joking, but I yes. do actually think there's value in not beating yourself up. I mean, we're all humans. We're doing the best we can. We live in a modern society that is not built for encouraging exercise. And most people are really busy and, and working sedentary jobs or working multiple jobs. So I think we have enough to feel bad about. And this is one thing that we can maybe release a little bit. All right. Right on. Jamie Ducharme, health correspondent at Time Magazine. Thanks so much. Why you don't want to exercise. A few tips on how to trick yourself into actually wanting to exercise and doing it. Really appreciate it, Jamie. Thanks so much. Thanks for being on. Listen, in the news this week, have you guys heard about this Wendy's announcement? The fast food restaurant Wendy's has announced that they're going to make a change from pricing that is always static, unless and until they make a decision to increase pricing at some given point in time along the way. This will be a dynamic pricing approach based on demand, whereby you'll see a digital menu reflect different pricing for, say, it's burgers, depending on the demand. So when there's peak demand, the price will go up. Let's say you've got a lot of cars in line at the fast food window, price is going to go up. When you have, say, I'm just picking a time, let's say 3 p.m., probably not the time when there's a lot of demand relative to, say, a 6 p.m. or noon when there's a lot more demand, price may go down. So it's this dynamic pricing. They're calling it surge pricing, where when there's high demand, the price of the burger will be higher on the digital menu than it would be otherwise. What do you think about that? Does this seem a bit out of touch when it comes to understanding your customer? Okay, now the way they're presenting it, 
is that you're going to get the benefit of the price going down too, in effect, when if you are capable and willing to have your burger instead of at noon, to have it at two when there's less demand. But how convenient is that for well, a I don't customer? Know. I don't know. For people who it is more convenient for, the price will go down. And as you yeah. move those people out of the line, yeah. that creates less demand at the noon hour, that pricing comes down as well. This is all supply and demand driven. So I think it's kind of, it's very clever. Is it though? I do think it is. Okay, so I think say it's very, you're in the drive-thru line. Now, they call it risky. Line. The press calls yeah. it a risky move. I'm kind of yeah. with them on right. this one. Okay. If you're in the drive-thru line, yeah. let's say, and you're seven cars back, and you can start to kind of see the burger price change. Do you pull out of the line? Well, I mean, <laughs> right. how irritating right. is that? Right, right. That would be a little irritating. <laughs> I'll just have a true. cup of water. Right, right. Just, <laughs> how much is the water? Right. No, no. You raise an interesting point. Well, listen, you're not alone. Here, how about this? A Capterra survey indicates that a majority of consumers, 52%, say dynamic pricing is equivalent to price gouging. And 65% say it makes the decision of where to eat more difficult. In other words, I may not choose to eat at Wendy's at noon because I know the price of burgers is going to be up high, but I've got to eat at noon today because that's the only break I have in my work schedule. Hmm. So you don't go to Wendy's. And that's why they're calling it a risky move. I qualified it as interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I look at these things and I find them interesting. I think it's a great study. We're going to learn a lot about whether surge pricing works. And of course, we have surge pricing in life in a lot of different aspects of our lives. Some of it's known to us, some of it's subtle, but even, you know, the electric companies have in many areas surge pricing where when everyone's using electricity for AC, they'll give you an opportunity to have AC on at off hours instead of peak hours. That's surge pricing. We certainly know the stock market is run by surge pricing. The more demand, the higher the price. It's everywhere. In fact, supply and demand really is what drives markets at the most fundamental level and drives pricing in markets. Inflation happens because we're spending more. More money flowing into the market, more demand, price goes up. So it's not like it's a, a novel concept in general, it's novel for a fast food restaurant player in the space. Has this already started? No, they expect this to start probably toward the end of this year, beginning of next year. So, so if you want your Wendy's, to your heart's get it content, now. Yeah. Go, go get that Frosty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we got, a, we got a new app out called Burger Buddy. That, now, oh, that's interesting, Mark. So like, for example, that Mark, Gas Buddy. Mark, that's it. Gas Buddy. I like that. See, look at that mind over there. Mm-hmm. That, that's an entrepreneur's mind. You're absolutely right. There could be, let's say others adopt this pricing thing. You could check the price before you go and you could say, Wendy's is up 10% on the price right now. Ah, I'll go to McDonald's. There you go, Mark. Like that. Okay. Well, listen, Mark, that's a good idea. And that's something you could do perhaps as a hobby or a side hustle. Having a hobby is now proven to be something that's good for you. And given that this is a time of year when people are looking for other things to do, what do you do? Get a hobby. Build a business. Right, Mark? Right on. So Mark's going to be building the, uh, what'd you call it? The Burger Buddy. I love the that. Burger Buddy. <laughs> Mark, you need to build the Burger Buddy. All right. So listen, speaking of having a hobby, here's an article that caught my eye. It was an article in Time Magazine, and it was all about why you should have a hobby. Okay. And if you don't have one, how to find one. And I thought that was kind of interesting to discuss. I found it enlightening. I mean, I've got the kind of mind where I've always got something going on. That's for sure. There's not a lot of downtime, but I do personally enjoy things that might qualify as a hobby. I get the importance of having a hobby. And so I just was curious if you guys, Mark, Kristen, do you guys focus on a hobby? Not enough. Not enough. Need some hobbies here. You need some hobbies, but certainly, Mark, you love music. 
You create music. One of the reasons you may or may not need a hobby like others may need a hobby is that your passion and your hobby is creating music, I assume. Right. And you do that as part of your work. And it does spill over into your otherwise leisure time, I'm sure, at times as well. But Mark, you said you need a hobby. Why do you think you need a hobby? Is it that you're looking for something else to do with your time? Or is it that you need to be spending your time in other ways, you feel? Well, first, I need to find more time. <laughs> okay, right? right. We know and that. I need something yep. outside of work. Music sometimes becomes work to me. Exactly. It's a little bit of a blend of both. So maybe some golfing. There you go. All right, well, we're going to get to some tips in the Time Magazine article about how to find a hobby, Mark. We're going to help you do that in just a minute. Before we do that, though, Kristen, I want to go to you. What about you? Do you have a hobby? I don't. I'd say my kids are my hobby. That's not really a hobby, though. That, that, <laughs> that's, that's also that my job. That can be more like a job, yeah. what I was just going to say, depending on how <laughs> you look at it. And my profession but, but and it is livelihood. Your, it's your, but it it's is, my passion. I do get that. Yeah. I do, because I'm a parent of young kids. I think we all get that. But even being a parent and considering that your hobby, the article goes on to make the case it's really good to get your mind off of stuff like that. Absolutely. If I had to like really pinpoint one, I would say gardening. And I do hear you talk about in the warmer months, the fact that I you're outside it. working in the garden. Yeah. You do and just see, there you go. Yeah. And it does ease stress and it does get your mm-hmm. mind off of other yep. things. It gets you away from it's everything creative, else. It's physical. And you feel like mm-hmm. you're accomplishing something. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I would say that one of my hobbies is very similar to that. And then I like to go, we got this little property out in the country. I like to go just beyond the property and do work around the property. Same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. There is gardening involved in that and other things. And I, I do get that. I enjoy that very much. It's good to get your mind off and feel like you're a million miles away from everything else, even parenting or your work, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Well, here are some tips for those searching for a hobby. Kate Hanselman is someone that the Time Magazine references. She's a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner with a counseling practice known as ThriveWorks. And among other things, she focuses on the importance of having a hobby. She makes clear that research suggests that hobbies lead to better physical health, more sleep, lower stress, greater life satisfaction, a larger social network, and even improved work performance because you help clear your mind and you're able to be more productive at work. She says, hobbies live in the pleasure world not necessarily in the mastery world. And what she means by that is she said, in a mastery world, you have to achieve certain levels of expectations. There's a kind of a goal to get somewhere with it. With a hobby, it's not that way. It's really just to enjoy it. We're not here to impress, she says. We're not working for a paycheck. There's no ulterior motive. She says, hobbies are just like dessert. And being a baker herself, dessert's the most important part. Okay, so how do you find a hobby if you're out there buying into this? So here's her list of things you need to do. First, ask yourself how you want to feel by engaging in your hobby. She says hobbies present an opportunity to feel like you're on an escape. They can help us get out of our head and calm down and so on and so on. So she said, before you choose a hobby, choose how you want to feel. There are hobbies, for example, that are competitive. If you play golf, you could play golf for pure pleasure Or you could play golf because you want to really get good at it and then be able to go out with your buddies and beat them. Those are two different kinds of objectives. Next, start small. Don't invest a ton of time right away or you could burn yourself out. Don't invest a lot of money right away. Ease into it. Get some benefit out of it. Find out if that really is the hobby you want to pursue. Make sure it's the hobby for you. And if so, then you can invest more time and even money. Third, be open. Keep an open mind and not dismissing potential hobby opportunities. Next, take a trip back in time. What she means by that is go back to your childhood. Many hobbies that are enjoyable now are things that as a kid you enjoyed doing. 
So go back in time, try to remember what it was that gave you pleasure as a kid and put those things to work now. She said another possibility is to go back to school. You can actually learn something new. And by that, it could be an online class. It could be, you know, a local community center kind of activity, what it may be. But pursue something that you can become educated about. For example, family history. Take a genealogy class. And lastly, remove the guilt from the equation. Many people don't pursue a hobby because there's dirty dishes in the sink that need to be done or there's bills that need to be paid or extra hours you could be working or need to be working, whatever it may be. And so when you take the time for yourself personally, many people feel guilty about doing that. Don't do that, she said. Actually, you'll be a better parent, better at work if you do the hobby. And so think of it that way and don't encumber yourself or prevent yourself from enjoying a potential hobby as part of your life. So those are some tips. Time Magazine. Get a hobby. Could be good for your mental and physical well-being. What do you guys think about that? I like that. I'm going to post that on our social media pages and find out what our listeners are doing for their hobbies right now. There you go. Share some ideas. Yeah. Okay, so there you have it. Look, whatever it is, find a little something to do on the side and you'll be better off for it. Okay, great show, guys. We'll be back next weekend again right here on WJR's Let's Go Michigan.